to the Metapod, the Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. We're here starting the second phase, the second era, the second anime arc, you could say, of the Metapod podcast hitting episode 101. And I've got some lovely people on the podcast today. I'm Jake, your host. Who are who else is with me right now? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm here. I think Jake. I think. But that's not the people watching on YouTube will see a new face. Well, maybe not completely new to them, but a new face to the pod. Stefan, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you guys. And first of all, thanks for having me. Thanks for, uh, you know, uh, reaching out. It was super nice to uh, get an invitation to be here. So I'm, I'm very, very flattered to be here. And no, uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Stefan Erickson. And uh, yeah, I do a lot of things in the community, I think, these days. Run channel, been playing for how many years now? 17 years. Uh, also both judging, playing, my fault, my entire family plays. Yeah, <laughs> yep. it's uh, it's uh, there, there's a lot of things to it, guys. So, uh, But uh, that's me, I guess. <laughs> and let me tell you real quick, because I did, I did a little bit of research, too. Our special guest today is a 11-time world's competitor, world championship. So, you know, when you talk about long-time player, you talk about you know, got the whole family to play. This is a good player. You know, this isn't Jake sitting up on a new pod, you know, talking about <laughs> how they play Pokemon cards. This is a this is a real player. Um, but we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about today. Uh, we know that our demographic, a lot of people are uh, playing with their kids. We see the YouTube comments, the um, Apple podcast reviews, things like that all the time, Twitter, but also just general life changes. You know, people grow up, you know, whether that's going through college, whether that's getting married, you know, everybody goes through these major life changes and our special guest today has gone through all of them, I would say. And so what better, uh, expert than to, uh, than to bring him on. So Sean, what else is going on? I mean, I mean, that's that's basically it. today we're going to be talking about uh, being a pokey parent with Stefan. We're also we're going to pivot a little bit, too, because Stefan, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you have a, a variety of interests in the hobby over the years. We're going to talk about full art cards, full art supporters in particular, and then shift gears one more time and talk about math. You know, so Ooh, math. Yeah, so uh, you know, <laughs> at that point, for those of you listeners who hate math, you, we'll let you know when you can tune out. But but, <laughs> but trust me, it's it's interesting. It's wildly interesting what Stefan does. So um, yeah, but I mean, I guess without further ado, Stefan, if you want to talk more a little bit about like you know, I mentioned a little bit about your background, but if you want to go into more detail about your background, your history in the game, etc., go for it. Uh, fan. Uh, I'll, I'll take the opportunity, of course. Uh, I love to, to get any excuse to talk about Pokemon and also my own uh, my own time in the game. So it all started back in 05, where I was introduced by one of my friends, Lars Andersen, uh, who I actually met through, I think it was football at that time, and then he was at Worlds the year before, and I was like, ha, somebody's playing Pokemon. <laughs> and I was like, next year, I was like, this is pretty interesting. Like, let, Let's try it out. Let's try and play it. So I got to learn it three weeks before nationals in Denmark in 05. And uh, then uh, I got 12 to nationals the very first time I tried three weeks later. <laughs> uh, it, but okay, what goes to it? We were like 30 something players in nationals in Denmark. It was not huge, oh, but it, okay. it went. So but, I, I kind of, I want to discount that a little bit, you know, it but sounds still, like, I think, I think the first like 
challenge that I went to had like 10 people and I was like ninth and I was like, Oh three, <laughs> you know, like still it's a, it's a huge accomplishment. And I got to play one of my favorite decks back then. I played Gardevoir, actually. It was a, one of my favorite cards always. I always look for Gardevoir prints. I even also side collection as well, make it back to that later. Gardevoir is also a nice card. Mm. But yeah, I, I played since then. And then the year after my first brother joined, uh, Simon, then uh, then uh, the year, not even the year after, then my youngest brother and second youngest brother, Jonas and Jesper joined, uh, Pio Meno Jesper. Because he never shuts up about how he won Worlds in 2016, right? So we all know that. Now, a huge accomplishment. Very proud big brother there. And uh, my parents also got in. And now I can actually share some news with you guys. Since this morning, they also both got staff at Worlds. So they got invited for staffing this Worlds, both of them. So, nice. Uh, That's I'm awesome. I'm very happy. So uh, my parents are there. So if any of my opponents, they do something they shouldn't, I'm going to call mom on them. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yes, I love that. That's amazing. It's like basically Worlds is a family re reunion for you at this point. It, it's like a it family is. vacation. Yeah, it is. Because actually, so uh, compared to the rest of my family, I live in the Netherlands. I've done it for the last 10 years, roughly. And uh, yeah, the rest of my family lives in Denmark. So yeah, it's, it's a family reunion. I get to see my parents and I get to see my uh, some of my brothers. Not all of them will be there. And uh, yeah, but uh, to return back, then we all played and uh, just kept playing. My parents also start playing. Then later I judged, they judged and ran leagues. And uh, then um, in the meantime, I got my uh, master's and my PhD and start teaching at the university here in the Netherlands as well, where I also get to teach some math and statistics, and I take all opportunities I can to mix in Pokemon in any form or shape. Uh, it's always quite fun to do, and uh, teach them different angles to do all these different things. And uh, also knowing about this later, Mayor Sean also knows exactly what I do, because he was also with me for one of these adventures as well. Mm -hmm. We got to flip a whole lot of coins. Yep. I remember that. Now, um, I, so I do a, a lot of different things. Uh, I also met my wife through Pokemon. Uh, met at a local game store, actually. Um, we had a Pokemon-themed wedding. My daughter's name is Evie. You can kind of see where this is going. Uh, <laughs> so uh, th th there's a lot of things. Uh, my life, you, some would say my life involves around Pokemon. And, well, uh, yeah, I would be lying to say that that's not, you know. <laughs> so, uh, and then, yeah, I, I have a part-time side gig uh, by Dragon Shield as well. So yeah, lovely people, lovely people. It's uh, a Danish company, fun people to work with. And uh, they have good sleeves too, if you haven't heard that. No. <laughs> I mean, I will say like, we're not sponsored by Dragon Shield or anything, you know, hint, hint, wink, wink. But, but the, the new dual mats, the new dual mats are my favorite sleeves at the moment. They're just, they're so, they're so pretty. I played I played the, the Lagoon mats at EYC here and the regionals afterwards in Lille was here first and then in Bremen I played uh, the Orchard ones like I just played dual oh, yeah. uh, dual mats for all them because they're just super cool so I really pretty. think they're super cool yeah I have so uh, so it's, it, you you have uh, you do have I see, I see that I see that and I saw Cynthia there as well yeah I, I, I got Cynthia I have a we're gonna talk a little bit more in in another episode we're putting together a sneak peek for anyone budget decks. And so uh, I've been thinking about budget decks that I want to put together. <laughs> I, I got a suggestion. Anything control is typically budget, you know? That's yeah, fair. exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm a point. huge proponent of that, actually. <laughs> yes. 
No, yes. but uh, that, that's, uh, that, that's what I do, guys. Uh, a lot of things and uh, a little here and there. Yeah, just do a lot of things. Uh, yeah, Pokemon. So, yay. So <laughs> we, talk about, we talk about control a little bit, you know, usually pretty cheap. What happens to be your favorite deck of all time, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, can I give that two-part answer? Because there's a favorite card and favorite. Ah, they maybe overlap a bit. So, um, <laughs> uh, so I always care. So the thing is about my favorite card and deck. I was so this is my little phone here, not something mm. fancy, nice phone case or whatever. But I always carry a certain card with me around because I just need to, you know, feel protected. You know, so we always have an Oranguru on me at all times. And uh, that also it comes together with a Pichotto Pichotto that's next to it here. So for people who know this kind of deck, <laughs> I uh, I played it very extensively in uh, in that uh, time. Mm-hmm. One of my absolute favorite decks. So Oranguru Pichotto control style decks. Uh, I also played a lot of Sylveon. It's also one of my f- uh, fun decks to play. Hoopa Gigas. Mm-hmm. I play. I played Waylord. Well, so, that, that is the stuff's cool. All so, these kind of things. Like I love this kind of stuff. Love it. So it's interesting that, like, a, I would say out of a 17-year playing history, an ori- the, the Pidgeotto Control is one of your favorite decks. It's a very recent deck, comparatively, It right? is. It, it's, it's, okay, it's one of my favorite newer decks, but if I really have to yeah. dig deep, one of the decks I actually, favorite decks, I may say, like, just in general of, you know, joy of playing and everything... Don't get me wrong, control is a joy to play, at least for the player who plays it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not for the <laughs> opponent, but uh, that was uh, the deck I played at Worlds, my very first Worlds, in 07 on Hawaii. Then I played uh, Flygon EX uh, with Emerge Charge together with Macago and Nidoqueen okay. and Holland's Cast for Minchin. That was, I still think to this day, yeah, it may, yeah, super awesome deck. Love it. They got to reprint that stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting how a lot of people, you know, their first couple years of playing, you know, if they've been playing for five, seven years, a lot of people that I've talked to at least will usually say like kind of their first, one of their first decks that they played in like that first one to two years of playing is usually their favorite deck. So it's interesting how most people feel that way, in my opinion. You you may be right about that. I also love any Gardevoir deck I can get away playing. That was my very first deck I played was a Gardevoir Gorbis Pichiot deck. Back when Pidgeot had Quick Search, that was amazing. Yeah, like anytime, anytime I can shove a Rowlet in a deck, like I'm in. I don't care if it's good or not. Like I, I'm doing it, you know. I, I got some news for you. I don't think Rowlet is uh, Rowlet is pretty good right now, so it's a pretty good to stuff in a few decks. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's become a nice little tech card. He's he's become a nice little addition in decks, and I'm just I'm thriving because I actually have like over a hundred copies of that exact Rowlet card because with the content that I would make, like people would send me that Rowlet. It's my favorite Rowlet card. Um, and so I, I'm just swimming in them, you know, ready, ready to release the flock as they say. But I got a question for you. It's very important. I know mm-hmm. I'm the guest, but I got a question for you. Do you have a German Rowlet? And do you know what it's called in German? Do I have a what? A chairman Rowlet? Uh, no, a German. Oh, Rowlet. German Rowlet. I do not have any other language yeah. besides English, unfortunately. I, I need to get your German one because it's called Baus. Like Baus? Uh, yeah, it's called Baus. <laughs> I, I'm like at Worlds, I'm like, I'll play Baus and bring yeah, exactly. the Baus. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's super cool. It's super cool. Lo- I love German translations. I'll send you the PO yeah. box and pay you the shipping for it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I'll see if I can dig one up then. Jake, you could play Baus for game. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, yeah. The game. and then my opponent's go. like, "Wait, you already played a supporter this turn." I'm like, "Ah, ah, ah, ah!" Read the card. 
Yeah, like a pause, right? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess getting into it now, the meat and potatoes. You know, you mentioned your your whole Pokemon is a family affair, right? It's the whole family is part of it, and yeah. now you have recently become, I would say, a Poke parent, uh, bringing that's, that's your true. your daughter to uh, a regional event. So, yeah, like, do you want to um, tell us a bit about that? Was that the first experience bringing, uh, you know, as a Poke parent at a big event? It, it was and and also the also the first time my wife was back at an event again because yeah it's been it's been a rough couple of years you know with all the covid lockdowns and whatnot so we of course waited a long time we it was already planned to bring her to worlds in london in 2020 uh th- at that time she would be a roughly six months old and we had a matching pikachu onesie and everything was ready it was ready it was perfect and then of course we couldn't go for obvious reasons people know but now we managed to uh, go to Bremer Regionals because that's only two hours each way. So uh, I could drive the first day, play day one, go back, and then drive back the second day and then bring them on the second day. Oh, it was a little nice. more quiet and easy. Um, so it was really nice and it was quite fun. And uh, she was a, a good girl. She, she behaved very well, was very happy, even uh, managed to sleep in her carrier. It was, oh, it was so easy. She's a little more than two years old now, of course. She was born in uh, March 2020. And uh, yeah, it went it went flawless. I would say a good first uh, experience to have her out at event. So we got this idea to bring you on because you actually posted a picture um, playing with <laughs> yeah. her. So I got to yeah. ask, you know, when you two were playing, uh, did you win? Did you win that game? N- no, no, oh. unfortunately. And and actually, we played uh, we played one of those pick a pack. So you open a booster and you build a 10, 20 card deck uh, with uh, with your booster and energies for the rest. And we played like a little pot of four people round robin, so you get to actually play free games. And uh, we're like, wait, I can actually sign my daughter off for this event. <laughs> oh, so on the slip, actually, it's her name. You can actually zoom in and see it's her name. So it's the first event she actually played. Event, event, but side event, right? Mm-hmm. And it was super cool. And uh, yeah, she she soon after after the first game, she actually got really tired and fell asleep. And then my opponent was like, Judge, yeah, my opponent is sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I just played the games, of course, but uh, I was really nice to have her there, and she tried to help out the best she could. It yeah. was, uh, but she's only two. I'd still give it a yeah. little time. Yeah, it's it's just amazing yeah. that like you know someone who's two is like interested and can like focus in it because like I remember when I was two. There's no way you could get me to pay attention longer than three seconds at one time. Like I would, I would just be over <laughs> in another room after that, you know. Like so, it's it's awesome. Uh, she she certainly uh, seems to like it very much, which of course I'm very happy about. And uh, oh, fun fact: the first card she ever held was an Orangulu as well. Oh my, my wife! Gosh. My wife was furious. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, and uh, we even we even made her select her first Pokemon. Like of the three original starters, when she could crawl, we we lined them up and like made her pick one. And which one did she also, pick? Uh, she ran straight for Charmander. Straight ah, for Charmander. Like, there was no doubt in her mind. Yeah. It's it, and uh, she still sleeps with it. Also, like her Charmander, so it's it's really cute. <laughs> I did that with my niece and nephew. They're just about over. They're a little over a year old now, and um, I surprisingly, like a couple of days before, decided to go with my family to go see them, just because I was able to get off work and. I didn't have time to like order from the Pokemon Center the Charmander, <laughs> Squirtle, Bulbasaur. So when I went to like the local mall, 
<laughs> the best that I could do was Bulbasaur, Totodile, and Torchic. So it's a mix of <laughs> generations, but it, it's the same thing effectively. You know, mm -hmm. it, was, it was fun. They chose, they chose, they really like Torchic and Totodile, unfortunately for Bulbasaur, but oh, yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> I want to know what, you know, any viewers out there, listeners, like, if your if your kid crawled to Bulbasaur, let me know because I I feel like I never see Bulbasaur get picked, and it's not I like I love Bulbasaur. Yeah, I mean Bulbasaur's cool. I'm a personally I'm a Squirtle stan, but that's just me. No, I I got I got Charmander back also. We could play Red and Blue because my parents they bought Red and Blue for me and my brother, and then uh, I just let my brother pick, and he was like, "Ooh, Blastoise," and then I just took the other one, yeah. <laughs> and so. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that sort of gets us into like the next question here, which is uh, now that you uh, have gone to one event, yeah, what are you looking forward to the most about the future, potentially as a poker parent? I don't want to assume that uh, your daughter is going to be into it, but I think it's uh, certainly going to be a part I, of their life. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope, but of course, yeah. very important to state here. Of course, not going to force her to play. Obviously, she has to want to play. It's uh, very important not to, to force her anything. But of course, it would be lovely for her to just come out and join and also see all the people that we also known for mm -hmm. so many years and just be part of the community together with uh, us. It would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. And even if she doesn't like it, it's also mm -hmm. fine. But uh, of course, I have my hopes, of course. And then uh, hopefully one day she'll also be a, a good player. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Maybe not even CGG, VGG. She can even play Go. You can play anything these days, right? There's so many different uh, things to go at. I mean, like, you got to get more uh, regional championships than Tord, right? I mean, that's, that's just Ooh. how it's got to go, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, whoo, that's, uh, that's setting the bar high, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. setting the bar really high. But you know what? You got to dream big. You got to dream big. You got to, you know, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> that's, that's true. We got to, we got to set it up there. Like, I, I, I've also, I've won a few regionals, but it's back in the old time, of course, not the modern ones. What, wait. Uh, I won the first SP. That's modern, right? SP is a modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the first yeah, special modern. events. Yeah, yeah. So I won the very first modern one. Hey, hey very first modern go. event. Hey, there we go. That no, was. Uh, well, I, I, have, I have the trophy up here in back in the back. Actually, it's uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 2016. It says in uh, Spiel. That's in Germany. That was in yeah, Germany. Yeah, that's uh, modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was that was the first modern. Yeah, super cool. I got that. You. Yeah, I, got to, I mean, uh, I I told everybody, you know, at the beginning of this cast, you know, that we got a, we got a real player in here. We don't have no scrub. <laughs> like, we got someone good. But you know, you talked a little bit about um, how you know not forcing. You know, if they want to play, like that's awesome. But if they don't want to play, you know, that's still awesome. So that's cool what too. Are some, yeah. What are some kind of important things that pokey parents, especially, you know, really need to consider for their kids in in getting into the TCG competitively? Like the most important thing I was one of the most important thing I think is like don't force them on them because they're not gonna like it you know introduce something fun like I have you have her coming to me now in the mornings afternoon uh, can I watch Pokemon and she really wants to just watch the anime which is a lot of fun and uh, we also sometimes just give her some cards so she just plays and shuffles around with both cards she even tries and mimics when I play against my friends here <laughs> then then she would sit up on a chair and then shuffle just shuffle a few cards next to just move them around her hand will she do the hand yeah. thing that like all the top players yeah. do where they're like ta -ta -ta -ta, and they go like a nah, million miles an hour motorix are not there yet but she just moves cards around just shuffle them around like this pick up and pick down like it's it looks really cute and uh, no, just, uh, you know, let her join in because if she sees, she also has to want to try. 
So it's just to let her lean into it. And, yeah. um, because uh, I'm not going to force and say, okay, today we're going to learn to play Pokemon and then sit down and just study. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that's not how it works for this here. No, 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 no. But uh, I-, I wanted to, uh, to feel that it's fun, of course, because that's also the reason why we play it. We think it's fun, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess like what's what's the um, juniors like Pokemon scene like where where you are in the Netherlands? Like, are there a Ooh. lot of like kids that play? I know that every region and every city, especially, just could be can be very different. Oh yeah, I think and so the current situation for leagues is pretty tough where I'm. I actually have an hour to the closest event. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, so uh, we don't have a league here for quite some years. Uh, that's a longer story I'm not going to get into today, but uh, it's like we have a few players up in my area. We just meet at my house every Wednesday and play cards. That's kind of how it goes right now. Um, and uh, then, uh, yeah, it's an hour away. And in terms of juniors, it's hard to say now because we had two years of COVID, of course, but yeah. even before, no, there was not that many. It was very few. Like many events, especially League Cups, she could meet up and then you're top four. Yeah. You're top, you're top four, so you get prices for just showing up, which was, hey, fantastic, right? I mean, then she, yeah, yeah, points, points, man. <laughs> it's points, three points. Like, uh, I want to see if she can copy my brother uh, in the sense that he got his first Worlds invite at age six. So let's see if we can do that. Yeah. That was, Gosh. Uh, and then you can ask Jesper. He got that in, uh, at age six, yeah, because um, he, uh, he woke up on his birthday when he turned six because that's when I promised I would teach him to play. And uh, he woke up at uh, 5 a.m. or something on his birthday and then came and woke me up and said, now you teach me to play. And, uh, that was... It's like Christmas, you know, like, except it, it's learn how to play time. <laughs> exactly. I was fantastic. It was fun. And I hope also the same for my daughter, of course, that uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, sit there and just play games with her and also just see her out at events and hope she has fun with it. Yeah. Like, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. It, uh, it's going to be amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, like, as a, you know, I know in New York, even there are some juniors, but like, it's still like, it's always like kind of small, especially on the younger end of things. Uh, But, you know, obviously, you know, if your daughter decides to play, she'll have you and other people in your family, like as like very experienced, like masters players (laughs) uh, to play with. And I, sometimes I think that can be a bit of a a bonus, right? Like, because, you know, it's one thing to play against people your own age. It's like a whole social thing that's wonderful. But then, like, from a competitive perspective, if you're playing against people who are really good, always, like, it might give you, like, a leg up, weirdly, to not have a, a large junior scene if you're competitive about it. Yeah, you're absolutely right, right? It's, uh, you know, she gets, uh, I would say, in this case, she gets to practice against uh, good players at, you know, any given time. And you can always just play a game home in the kitchen table and uh, you hopefully are can teach her a few things and uh, practice a lot with her and make her events a lot easier hopefully when she goes yeah. out and find a place but most important is to just listen to your kid if your kid doesn't want to play anymore the kid doesn't want to play anymore like the worst you can do is also like you go and play an event and then mid-event i know it's gonna it sounds bad but the kid doesn't want to play anymore well then you have to respect that it's uh you cannot force them yeah but uh it, it's it's tough I, and I, yeah but uh, again she must have fun with it otherwise why do it i think that's a really good point like you know if you're going to like a, a, a league challenge or cup or even a regional yeah. with with your kid and they like halfway through even though you would be like no you yeah. signed up for like five rounds or whatever it ends up being <laughs> it's like no if after round three they're like 2-0 and they're like or 3-0 and they're like done and i'm like i'm done it's like 
okay. Uh, did you have fun? And ultimately, yeah. yeah, that's the that's all you can ask for. I, I think the only thing I'll try at that point is just to make sure that she doesn't get DQ'd or something. So she's still <laughs> yeah, it's like, could you just just go to the table at the beginning of the round and say good game and give them yeah. the win, and that's it. That's all you got to do. Yeah, that, yeah. I think I think that's me. That's you know, compromise. And we have to teach yeah. the compromise, right? Yeah. So uh, that's something I guess. You got to you got to teach them that you know when you're three zero and you don't want to do it anymore. Well, there's still a chance that you can get some stuff out of it. So like you gotta you gotta be smart about it. <laughs> Show them you, the you prize wall. It. You have to, yeah, you have to go and teach her to say, do you want an ID? <laughs> <laughs> what, yes. were, what was baby's first words? Um, ID. <laughs> ID. Oh, my oh, God. That would be, no, I, I tried to teach her to say pass first mm. just to annoy my wife. It didn't work. <laughs> Unfortunately, it didn't work. Because I also tried to later, if I go down now, and I, I wanted to make her say resource management, but then my oh. wife got upset. <laughs> I would airmail one, airmail two, airmail three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get the drill. <laughs> I I would actually love to know if there are any like juniors players out there playing the Umbreon wall stall. Oh, I'm sure. Sanders deck, like, because like, all, I mean, it's a very difficult deck to pilot because it's seek, it's all sequencing, right? Like, you get into the combo and then you just have yeah. to sequence it. I'm sure it's possible, but like, I would just imagine the other kid who's like six and he's like, how. Are, how do the rules work here? Like, this isn't, yeah, like we're not playing Pokemon anymore. <laughs> no, I I don't know whether I'm going to be a good or bad influence and be like, here, Avi, uh, Dad has this wonderful deck here. It's a, con- <laughs> it's a control deck. You want to learn how to play it. Do you want to play some retro format, some 2019? Yeah. <laughs> Orangaroo, Pidgeotto. Oh. <laughs> oh. No, I, I get I, I can see this happen. I've also seen like even like a few years ago, you have you have some juniors that picks up a control deck when also Hoopa Geekas was around, right? Mm. Because that was arguably a lot easier to play because all you had to do was just play Max Potion, play Acerola, just wait until they got really impatient on the other side, like mm-hmm. and burn through their deck. <laughs> that was kind of what you hope for in junior because they play typically very impatiently, of course, because mm. they just want to finish. Um, so yeah, damn. Um, that's uh it's something it's something do you feel like you know we talk about you know bringing your kids to big events and even small events and stuff like that but you know when you're bringing your kids to the regionals is there anything else that you advise you know aside from like you know if they want to stop playing then stop playing because we already talked about that yeah yeah. no uh, planning 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 it's uh it's also with your with your partner, wife, or uh, who's going with you because you're obviously not going alone, depending if you want to play, but you can also just be full-time parent. But also just be sure that you establish a place that the kid knows he or she can go to. It's more like have that safe space or safe base. Uh, typically, out uh, you've probably seen at events, like you have all these parents sitting at a table somewhere and like, you know, see players from a country or an area, just go there, bounce back and forth. It's very nice to have that place just to go back to. And also sometimes may seem very boring, but just please research the normal things about the facilities there, especially if you have a kid that's still in their diapers or all these kind of things. Like you, you just need to make sure all these, all these uh, small things are just you have an idea. Like for Blame, I spent most of my first day between rounds just to check out. Okay, where do I have this? Where do I have that? Oh, cool! They have like a a baby station in the toilet. So I know that for next day when we bring and you know all these things. Um, it really helps and. Uh, pack a lot of stuff guys pack a lot of stuff they uh they go through all, all the things and 
even though how much you think you got everything, you always forgot something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works, right? But yeah, planning, planning, planning. I really can't stress that enough. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And like, it also seems like, especially, yeah, as your kid gets older, right? Like, and you're going to these events that could be a little bit more autonomous. But, you know, I, I think if you do have a kid that's, unless they're like 13, 14, like, you know, at a, yeah. almost master's age, uh, do you feel like you'll have to make a decision at big regionals whether or not you play uh, versus your kid? Yeah, of course. So uh, so if I go alone, obviously that's not a good idea to play, you know, especially with a younger kid, you really need to make sure that uh, you have somebody with you. In my case, it would often say be my wife, for instance, um, and then she wouldn't play. Uh, she also uh, doesn't really play much. She knows how to play and sometimes used to play, but she will just be fine by just uh, watching our kid in this case. Mm-hmm. But in terms of just say I would go alone with her, that will not be before much, much later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't. Otherwise, I'll obviously not play myself at that point. Yeah. Because also there's another problem with it. Juniors usually, or seniors even, usually play less rounds than masters, right? So there's there's, there's bound to always be like a, a couple of hours at the end where your kid is tired and done, but you're not done. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that, that can be kind of, you know, annoying. And uh, both ways, right? Not meant like your kid is yeah. annoying or anything, but more meaning like <laughs> it just doesn't match up in time. Yeah. I'm not sitting here and saying like, oh, you're kidding. No, 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 no. I also yeah. mean, you should really respect your kid because masters just take longer. It just takes longer. Uh, yeah. Well, you have, you like, yeah, have like, to factor that in. You have nine, nine rounds. ten rounds of masters is a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a it's lot really, of playing. Like, I don't know with you guys, but if you're out playing a regional and you sit there around eight, nine, yeah, I'm tired. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can really feel I'm above 30 at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess the last question about like poker, poker parent stuff for now is, um, does being a poker parent at like these big events, right? How does that change your relationship to the other, I want to call them masters players, but you know, the other like adult players, um, some, many of which you probably know and have a relationship with before being a poker parent, like has that, or, or how do you expect that's going to change your relationship to that group? Honestly, that's a really good question. I'm not even sure, to be honest. Like, for the first, because the first events that we were out here, like when I was out playing for UIC and stuff, I didn't have my kid with me or anything. So it felt like a normal old school event, right? And it was also more given by, yay, we're back, first time in two years, something, right? So, but maybe in the future, yeah, it will probably be different because. You obviously your uh, your headspace is a different you, your head is a different place. If you have your kid with you, your kid obviously comes first. Like there's no doubt about it. Kids first, uh, kids first, then wife, then game. That's you know <laughs> no, no no. I, I have an order set my wife as well. Kid first, and then we can worry about each other afterwards. That's that's how this works. But it's also the same when you're out at events. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah. Please disagree uh, if anybody disagrees with this. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let me know. Um, but in terms of, nah, it's just more like uh, you you cannot devote the same time to everybody as you used to. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's I think it's obvious it will change at some point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think for the worst, it's just different. 
Yeah. Like, so you I, mean you don't you don't stay up until two a.m. the night before you know round one you know testing decks ooh, and changing your deck oh, list at the last second? <laughs> oh, ouch! No, I haven't even done that in years already. Like I don't know because I'm way too tired. I guys, I I'm a I'm an early riser instead. I'm a morning person, so it's very hard for me to be up in there. But no, 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 no. And uh, now sometimes we have like round one of the event. That's practice, right? That's where we practice. Yeah. That's yeah. Just, <laughs> that, uh, that was kind of what I did also, like, uh, uh, in uh, that was in Lille. Yeah, first time I really ran the deck was round one. That was quite fun. <laughs> it, it happens. I mean, I guess... No better practice than in the real thing, you know? Like, that's that's where it all happens. Yeah, I, you, go, you, you don't go like, oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah, I guess as a poker parent, you're not doing the whole, like... Um, going to the regionals and you're in a room with four other four or five other sweaty individuals testing <laughs> until 2 a.m. You know, like I think people who've been to regionals, especially in the pre-COVID era, like, you know, that feel where it's just like, yeah. you know, to be frank, it's typically a bunch of dudes uh, sitting <laughs> in a room and it's just it, it doesn't smell good. I remember the regionals I went to in New Jersey. There was one person. um, there's like four or five of us in a room. One person came in like three hours later and was just like, guys, this room just smells like dude sweat. It's so bad. It's so bad in here. And I'm like, ugh. Anyways. Oh, I remember those days. I didn't play test for hours and hours and hours on end. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sometimes we, we still play test a bit. We mostly invite people over during the day. And then it's like half and half because there's the kids around, kid around. And then uh, typically after she goes to bed, then we get a few more uh, hours of uh, call it uh, focused testing. Yeah. But yeah, you, you can devote the same amount of hours. Impossible. You can. Yeah. You can. That's just uh, I rely way more on uh, theory, man, a little bit these days. And uh, and be like, I also found myself right to my brother. Hey, um, what's a good dick? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just calling up Jesper and Sander, right? And just be like, yeah. what should I play yeah. this weekend? Yeah. I, I love to, speaking of Sander, I love to theorize with this guy. This guy is, a, yeah, everybody knows by now he's a control genius. So there's no uh, no hiding that fact around. I love to play, I love to test with him and uh, theorize with him like we also did with Umbrian deck before. Uh, before And also uh, like to play devil's, devil's advocate when he comes with an idea and such. And yeah. we did the same with the uh, Corviknight loop. We played the regional following that as well. Um, now, I uh, love doing this. It's uh, fantastic. It's always a joy to uh, work on uh, fun decks together with him <laughs> so you and i have a little bit in common actually unfortunately it's not our skills because you're way beyond me in, to the, in terms of the pokemon game but we both love a certain type of card so you have a big collection of a certain card variant so so tell us a little bit about that I'm actually reaching for it. It's one of these. I just got a new one in today, guys. You so, did? Oh my God. I'm yeah. going to see it on Twitter. So, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I'm going to see it today or tomorrow. I'm going to make a new post because i got three more in here for my new collection. It's full art cards, guys. Full art supporter cards. Oh, oh look at and that one, And I got one of the there. best ones. It's a Roxanne, of course. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I collect full art supporters, which include rainbows in this case. So full arts and rainbows of uh, supporter cards. And... Uh, with these free, that makes it uh, 597. And so a lot of people will, you know, they'll hear over 500, which, by the way, that is so many. Um, <laughs> they'll hear <laughs> over 500 and they'll be thinking, wait a minute, there's not over 500 supporters. So no. how is your collection over 500 for anybody who doesn't know? 
No, it's uh, I also can uh, collect different languages, focusing on European languages most of all. I do have Japanese, and I even have a few Koreans also. But those are like when I come by them, you know, I try to pick them up. But I actively collect English first, and then I try to fill out, uh, start filling out on the European languages. I'm I'm far from complete, guys. This is uh, yeah. I think it will be more around two thousand if I actually had them all. Um, of all the different we have, languages. We have a, you should you shouldn't realize in Europe there's a lot of languages, a lot of different cards. So besides English, of course, we still have German, French, Italian, Spanish, and Portuguese, of course. But that's more in Brazil actually. But still, it's a different language on the card. And that set I have complete. I have a complete Russian set because there were Russian full arts as well. There exist only eighteen. So I got I got them all. That one is complete. And uh, yeah, I, there was no 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 Dutch because Dutch was only the first three sets, so way before. The first Fallout supporter was N from Noble Victors. Mm-hmm. Victors called yeah, that was the first Fallout supporter. And then it, yeah, you know by now it's there's like what twenty something in a set. It's huge. It's yeah, it, it it's become very very hard to keep up. But uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. So uh, pick them up here and there and everywhere. And uh, now I'm almost at six hundred. Almost. What is the hardest language and vice versa? What is the easiest language to get? You know, whether that's um, whether that's the amount out there, you know, a lot of these cards are maybe like expensive, you know, like these this language is just most expensive. Yeah. So uh, luckily in Europe, we have card market, which helps a lot in the different language department. But for me, the most difficult language to get is actually Portuguese, uh, because there I literally had to go to Brazil to get them or get them from there. Uh, I do have some friends and stuff. When I see them at Worlds, they also bring binders and we already set up a a big deal up front saying, okay, we have this big trade coming up because now I'm going to bring you for like uh, 300, 400 dollars worth or euros worth of full art supporters. That you can swap, but uh, no, uh, that that's by far the hardest. Um, the cheapest actually to get overall, I think, is Italian. That that is something that, that that's the one I actually got most complete next to English. Funny enough, Italian, especially the older cards, because uh, for newer supporters, German is actually cheapest, but for older, Italian is cheapest. If you want to get old German ones, for instance, Colrus, it's outrageously expensive. Uh, what is it called in German? It's also called Akromas. I think that's the name uh, of the card in German. Yeah, they all they often got different names, which is quite cool. Also, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's one of the aspects I really like about it. Um, and I don't know why I started collecting them, but they just it was a different collection. Not a lot of people have it, and if they collect full art supporters, they collect Japanese mostly. Mm. And no, so uh, I wanted to you know go for it. And I think in the meantime, I don't know if I have the biggest in the world, but it's getting up there. It's getting quite extensive, this collection. So uh, I, I was going to say, because like I, I collect full art supporters as well, and I want one one of every single one, and I've got like a specific binder for it and everything. And, you know, I started collecting Pokemon cards in 2019. That's when I started collecting really and playing them and putting a lot of money into it. And um, so I missed out on the like the black and white era days and trying <laughs> to buy, you know, a Colrus or Juniper or you know, even an Iris or a, even a Jetsus, which is banned, yeah. like it's very expensive. So I've actually thought about like getting them in other languages if it would help like alleviate the price, because I've opened up some Japanese booster boxes in the past. And I don't mind having a Japanese full art Rosa because Rosa is really expensive from Dream League Cosmic Eclipse. So yeah, I don't have so to nice. buy that in English. So <laughs> that makes it way easier on my wallet. 
I feel like I was pay- I, I felt I overpaid for it when I paid 50, 50 euros for it, but it turns out that actually was a pretty good price now. If you look at what it, how much it's worth now, it's uh, a lot of these are very expensive. Something I also looked into when I tried to look at the price tendencies and such for a little mafi. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the, typically the expensive ones are the lady full art supporters. Uh, the typically they, they carry a premium. Yeah, I think we call then, it the uh, waifu tax a bit. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I didn't want to say that, but I, you said that now. We'll, and, uh, we'll just say it. That's just that's that's the. the it, is, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, it I'm is. an anime guy, so like that's that's definitely what for me at least. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. It's just, it, it is what it is. And let's call it it's a waifu tax. And uh, there's also a reason why there exist, uh, for instance, uh, two full art lilies, and we know which one is more expensive, and we also know why. That's uh, <laughs> another example of this kind there's of tax actually. Theme. Well, I mean, there's three full art Lily cards, but only two of them, like two of them yeah. are the same. There's Lily's full force correct, as well. Correct. That's correct. That's correct. That one's also not cheap, right? Like, no, it's not. Cards. It's not super expensive. And in my opinion, I think Lily's full force is the worst one out of the three. It, it, it is. It is. It is. Let's not let's not lie about that. It is. But it's, it's the... from it's from Cosmic Eclipse, which is a super popular set. So I think that I think comparatively to like the Sun and Moon base set, Lily, that's a big reason why it's like more expensive than that one. I believe so. And the most expensive is still the Ultra Prism one. I think it's Ultra yeah. Prism. I believe Lily, that's the... Lily Ultra Prism is still the most expensive fuller. I go through at the beginning of every month and I uh, look at the prices and I write them down of the ones that I don't have. And <laughs> Lily and Cynthia from Ultra Prism are the ones that are there. <laughs> I'm glad I got them both in, 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 in multiple languages. So it's a, it was a nice pickup. Quick. <laughs> But yeah, you have to throw like what, at least two hundred dollars on the lily now. Yeah, I think it's like I think it's like two hundred eighty USD for that, and then Cynthia is like ninety, I believe. That almost sounds cheap. (laughs) That almost sounds cheap. (laughs) And I know like Bianca as well. Bianca from, I think she was in black and white. I can't. I don't think she was. I don't think it was X and Y yet. Emerging power. She's number two in the list, by the way. Yeah. I I mean I got her like moderately played for like ninety dollars. <laughs> oh, I pick it, I, I pick the... it up. I pick it up for a tenner. <laughs> ah, see, like I just wish I played back then, so that like in in twenty sixteen, so that I could have picked up you know these supporters <laughs> for so much cheaper than what they are now. It's insane. But what if we're talking about specific full art supporters. What do you yeah. feel like is your favorite full art supporter out of all of them? Oh, so in terms of playability and also how to look at, it's obviously a Lusamine. There's absolutely no yes! contender next to a Lusamine. I know Sean is looking a little, uh, little discouraged by that. But uh, which, uh, which Lusamine though? Because there's two oh, Lusamines. Yeah. There's Crimson Invasion okay. and then yeah. Ultra Prism. They're both cool. Not gonna lie, because they both have an, just the way the card is. It just looks nice. But it's the crazy Lusamine. Uh, the that's the crazy one. But Ultra Prism it, Lusamine is yeah. the best. But but funny enough, one card I actually really like just the way it looks. Um, one thing I one card it may be uh, surprised a lot of people, but it's the underground expedition. Don't oh, know if you ever yeah. seen the one, but it's just I like how it looks. I just really like how it looks. It's a really really nice card. But to be honest, there there's so many cool ones out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, definitely a Lusamine. If I have to pick like one, it's it's a Lusamine. But uh, I. I if every time I go over the collection, like, oh, this one is cool. Ooh, <laughs> this one looks nice too. Oh, nice. Sean, one, did yeah. that say it was uh, Celestial Storm? 
the underground expedition. Yeah. Yes, that's Celestial Storm. Yeah, Celestial Storm within the last like three, four months has really like jumped up in price. I've noticed. Um, mm. I'm missing. I'm missing most of the Celestial Storm cards, and it's really hurting. It's really hurting the the longer that I wait. But yeah, Underground uh. Expedition is one of those that's like. It's really, really good, um, in my opinion, like uh, Battle Reporter from like yeah. Black and White. Like that's another like really, really cool full art supporter that not a lot of people no, um, look used at. To be, that card used to be dirt cheap also. Like I'm talking $3 or something like that cheap. Uh, but uh, yeah, those are some those are some really, really nice cards. Like uh, there's just so many cool cards out there. And uh, that's why also why I like the full arts. They're also really, you know, on overall, they just gotten better with time, I think. It's gotten nicer, so uh, that that's really also one of the reasons I just really like them, and uh, yeah, rainbows. Uh, a lot of people have different opinion about the rainbows because a lot of the I think the general opinion is that they are, they look worse than the full art counterpart, and I like to say that's often true. That is true, but there are a few where I think they look really good. Wouldn't say better, but to give an example, like the the gardenia I just got in, like this one here. Mm -hmm. I really think this makes for a really, really nice rainbow card. Like uh, the way it's done on the rainbow on this one, it's it's well made. I will the say that Sword and Shield, comparatively to Sun and Moon, I think Sword and Shield rainbows are way better yeah, than now, the Sun now, and now, Moon because I need to burst your bubble now. Oh, they started no. with rainbow supporters and Sword and Shield. Well, oh, I'm talking about supporters. like so like <laughs> a rainbow yeah, in no, general. No, no, but they, yeah. in Sun and Moon, like the rainbow of like the GXs and things ah, like that. Okay. Yeah, Just yeah. the rainbows overall, like overall on the cards, are way better in Sword and Shield because they have like the different texturing yeah. difference. You know, when in the regional streams, you know, when someone plays a rainbow <laughs> card, I can actually tell what that card is, like watching the stream, <laughs> you know? No, it's really cool. You're right. You're right. They 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 up their game, but in general, I think the cards have gotten, uh, yeah, art wise, a lot prettier over time now. Oh yeah, like I think I think the Sword and Shield era is where you you if you want to start collecting the full art supporters, you really need to jump into it because I think that a lot of these will have a lot of memories, especially because we have like trainer gallery cards now. Mm -hmm. um, yep. You know the special editions. I think Pierce has like three full arts already yep. you know um and and so it's um it's going to be super memorable and it's going to be one of those things where if you don't if you don't jump in now like five years down the road you're just going to be kicking yourself because your wallet's going to be emptied yeah yeah it's it's only going to be more expensive not going to lie and uh, that's also one thing uh, so uh, that's all ties to get of my job actually because i get to spend some time on actually doing actual research so i'm, I'm writing a i'm writing up a nice database now and writing a paper on uh, pokemon as an asset investment so also looking at price developments. So uh, hopefully that can become something because that will be the the first of its kind. So, but uh, working on it, guys. Uh, so uh, price is something I really like to look at as well. And you're definitely right. Uh, but especially in general, over the last two years, prices have just jumped like yeah. like really high compared to pre-COVID, of course. Uh, COVID mm -hmm. effect, I would call it. Yeah. I would just the boom of people having this extra money and... They're like, oh, what do I spend it on? And they're like, oh, and, yeah, Pokemon cards. And, and time. You have to yeah. stay at home now. It's like, oh, God, I have to stay at home. Oh, no, what do I do? Let's play mm -hmm. Pokemon or yeah. collect Pokemon. I would say from that study, I would love to know if there's like a general like window of time between. Because like when I think when the full arts typically come out, for the, <clears throat> for the most part, prices are really low 
you know, like yeah. when they first come out. And then I, I don't know what it is, but it feels like there's a collective moment when everything jumps from a set. Like, I think, yeah. I don't know I think where it's it, usually when they stop being printed in boxes. Maybe. Yeah. So I think that's I usually to, when so I it is. Get, so I need to get some information on that because right now we look at it as so what we're going to do in this study here, we're going to look at it as a, from the from the point of view of a master collection of a set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one thing we're also very interested in, is there a certain premium difference from when you go from an incomplete to a complete set? Like if you go from 99 completion of a set to 100% completion, is it just the sum of all the individual prices or actually does there come a real premium on top? Hmm. That's, a, that's a question we also really would like to answer here. And also in general, just how does it compare to uh, general, more conventional assets like stocks and bonds? Mm-hmm. Like how does uh, investing in a set of Pokemon cards actually work? Yeah. So you know, when you cool- finish this study and stuff, we got to bring you on again <laughs> so that you can give like the full rundown and like, because I, I think, you know, it's super interesting to talk about because I mean, a lot of people that listen to us and in general, like really just love collecting and um, going into now this sort of research area, kind of this taking this gear shift into something more technical and stuff. Um, you have a channel on YouTube based around kind of math and Pokemon in general, or a lot of your videos are about, you know, Pokemon and its relation to math. So why did, why did you choose that background for a YouTube channel? Well, Multiple reasons, actually. The first one was because, like, so just unlike, just like many other teachers at university or high school, so we were forced online. And uh, I didn't like the system we were using at university, so I tried something else. So I started actually streaming my lectures on Twitch, mm. which was quite fun and different. And then I was like, oh, where where do we have unlimited storage? Hmm. Oh, yeah, YouTube. That's a good place. So I took my VODs down and, and edited and put it up. And I was like, I got a channel now anyway. I'm going to call it Stefan's Classroom because it's a nice overarching name that can take. So I, I have different playlists for a lot of different things. So, And then I started like, oh, great. I can actually Pokemon math. This is fun. I can actually combine my hobby with my work as well. So I started just collecting a video first on, you know, basic probabilities of, you know, what's the chance of hitting this in your opening hand, getting a mulligan. And it just went from there to answer different kinds of questions. Um and then sometimes also doing uh, interviews with uh, interesting people about interesting deck concepts, anything from, yeah. I had Sandor on a couple of times. I had uh, Eve's on to talk about judging. I had some casters on just to talk about how it is to be a caster. I talked Will Post about insurances because that's also a cool subtopic. <laughs> all these kind of things and also probabilities in general, like uh, to calculate all kinds of different things. I also had different episodes where I talked about price developments and how you actually analyze it. So I literally have a video where I just sit and do boring math stuff for an hour and see you say, guys, oh, this is how we can do this. Oh, this is interesting, cool, awesome stuff. Not that many people watch it, but it, it, for me, it doesn't really matter. It's just more like I really like to do this. And uh, it's, it's of course, cool when people come and uh, check it out and have fun with it. It's a, it's a small channel and a very niche area. I think I still think I'm the only one who does this, like poker math. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, you sometimes see people write an article here and there about it on the older websites or at one on Poke Beach once. Was it Poke Beach? Oh, there was one on six prices. There was one on uh, 60 cards. Um, different people wrote, uh, yeah, uh, on, on these topics. I even found an article by Mr. Kleszynski back on Pojo, like that long ago, where I, where I was researching for these different kind of things. And I just decided, you know, we're just going to take all these topics and start like a uh, uh, writing, making up some simple videos, uh, not super flash or anything, but just to explain these concepts and, 
I really just enjoy doing it. Well, I think one of the things that separates, you know, a good player from a great player is something like probability. And, you know, you talk about proper sequencing a little bit in the videos and how that like helps your probability and things like that. You know, that's a huge reason why, you know, Tord Reckliff is such a great player, you know, because he understands like the the aspect of probabilities like, okay, here are my odds of hitting this. So this leads to my best out. So. You know, even though it is niche, you know, the the topic, I think it's important for anybody who like wants to step up their game, honestly, and especially for free too. like you can watch those videos for free. You don't have to pay for coaching, (laughs) stuff like that. You can watch the ads and give a little (laughs) bit of ad revenue, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that that is true. That's the that's the whole thing about YouTube, right? You have to take the ads these days. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, There's enough memes about that around the also. So you all seen them, I guess. But uh no, it's a uh, mentioning toward yeah, the, he this is a great example of a player who just knows uh, exactly the perfect order of things, how to play your cards in that the perfect sequence. But also like when it just comes to deck construction in general. So yeah. also know how to put together your 60. Uh, because yeah, you you may be able to in-game properly sequence, but if you don't have the perfect 60 up front, you can also, you know what I mean? You don't get to the perfect outcome still. It has different layers to it. So, And he's uh, like one of those players that, you know, at the beginning of this format, you know, he, he chose Urshifu when Urshifu is really, really awesome um, when IRL events started coming back. And then like kind of soon after Urshifu started dipping off, but he's really stuck around. And I mean, he just won. He just won a regional yeah. with Urshifu, a deck that most people would really fall off. And it's it's basically the same 60 as he's been piloting since the beginning, just changes and changes, you know, um, just a couple changes here and there just based on, you know, his results from previous events and how the meta shifted. And I mean, again, when you talk about the perfect 60, like he's he's the guy that does that. You know, he sticks to the archetype and he just goes. He did the same with Sorak. He was Sorak plus something, Sorak plus mm-hmm. something else. He had the same. He found a good card. We go for it, you know. And uh, like you see many examples of Tor just to construct a fantastic deck and a really good concept and really, you know, develop it to perfection uh, so many times. The Urshifu was also, I believe he used the word a fever dream um, uh, when he uh, created it and came with the, the run of it and also the game plan of how actually to beat Mew. Mm-hmm, how you yeah. could actually set up a perfect yoga loop turn and kind of lock them. And I think at some point it was said, like, you know, if, if um, you uh, benches or a core or turn one, which was kind of common just to do, right? Uh, then it suddenly become a super favorable matchup for Urshifu. And it's, I must admit, it took a little while to figure out, oh, what does you have to do here? How, how? And then, you know, you realize suddenly, oh, it actually sets up perfectly for a yoga loop, ping there, ping there, and set up the whole perfect play. And he just kept developing on this. And yeah, the recent development even included his favorite Pokemon, right? We saw he took prize with Celebi. It was perfect for him. <laughs> now, uh, full, uh, full credit to the tour. The fantastic player. Uh, awesome dude as well. And uh, played against him many times as well. Um, don't think I ever won. Fair. <laughs> Fair. I take it. I'll take it. I had, my, I had a couple of ties against him. I take that. That's okay. But uh, no, a fantastic dude and a great player. 100%. And he knows exactly how to sequence everything properly and just play the game to utter perfection. I would say if there, in terms of Pokemon, are there like any one or two like very common misconceptions that you have either proven, disproven, or, or yeah, like that you would want any listener who maybe hasn't seen one of the videos that they should go watch. But 
Yeah. What what are one or <laughs> one or two common misconceptions? Um oh how 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 I much know. do I want people to hate now? How how much do I want people <laughs> to hate me now? Oof. Uh, we oof, bring that's... it real on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. We we Keep bring you the real thing. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. No, so okay. So uh one thing I typically and that, let's start with a common one. A lot of people they know, but they don't at the same time. And that's the whole concept of thinning is winning. The, a lot of people then when they play, they know, okay. If I fin if I fin my deck, then I have more chance to get what you know I need, and that's a pretty straightforward concept. But not a lot of players know exactly how to quantify this, like know exactly by how much. That whole idea is uh, something that uh, a lot of people they they don't really see. And um, one of the other worst things I see, but that's maybe maybe it's a joke by now or not. But you have people who are like uh, a new example here is when you play Mew, for instance, you play Cram. People go like, ha, huh, I flipped their three tails on cram now. It ought to be a hit this time. There's a bigger chance they get a hit this time. This whole like sequencing, like uh, this whole uh, law of large numbers kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Sean knows exactly what I'm going at because I made a complete <laughs> long video trying to prove that PCGO is actually randomizing per way too well in the sense that it's not a human randomization, but actually proper, you know, pseudo random. Uh, and that's the whole idea with the coin flips because you also hear people who went on about like oh it's unrealistic how many tails or hits I get on PGO compared to real life and just showing that it's just utter crap <laughs> like what a, yeah. what is a bad statement which leads me to the final one which may upset people first of all pile shuffling is not shuffling let's just you know state that very clearly it's not shuffling I do not believe so I uh, I think it's perfectly fine that before your first game you use it to count your cards. I think it makes perfect sense to know you're all 60 there. Very good. Mm -hmm. But after that point, and between game one and two and two and three, don't. I, I, I don't think so. Sure, yeah. somebody could do it very fast and then shuffle afterwards, fine. But a lot of other people, they also take their sweet time doing it, which is very frustrating. Uh, so that... Yeah, yeah I was going to say, that's one where, like, <clears throat> I, I almost would encourage... Pokemon and the you know rules rules folks to like quantify like what kinds of shuffling are allowed. I know they've kind of done that, but like yeah, yeah, between games like you can't you can't you know control what people do between rounds. You just can't. No, no, no. But between games to be like you know hey like mathematically like if you shuffle this certain way and you're doing it relatively correctly, yeah, do it like eight, nine, ten times or whatever. Your deck is randomized, yeah. like. So the yeah, pile and, shuffling, it, the declumping aspect, you're trying to control and you're trying to control the order of cards, which is in and yeah. of itself stacking. Exactly. And that, that's the whole point. There's been countless of discussions on that. And I don't want to get into details here, but you hit you hit it right on the nail there, like right spot on. That's exactly the point, right? You don't want people to go this whole declumping and, you know, order their decks because that's just stacking. No, and that comes to the other uh, kind of a misconception that uh, seven riffles, seven riffles is the mm -hmm. perfect number. That is correct if it's a 52-card deck, because that's what it, the proof was made on mm -hmm. mathematically. But oh. as we all know, Pokemon deck is not 52 cards, it's <laughs> 60, which makes it actually eight. Mm -hmm. uh, and proven that in the video, guys. Shown in the video <laughs> as well. That's so, like really uh, interesting to hear these, because like I pile shuffle between uh between um like in best yeah. in best out of three but i only do that because i've seen like other people do that so i'm like oh this is probably like a good way so to 
you know, hear that, you know, uh, it doesn't actually do what you think it does. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, uh, okay. Like, that's interesting, actually. Some some people, like, don't don't get me wrong. Like, if you can do it fast and shuffle a little afterwards or in between, you know, and these kind of things, don't declump it. You can use to count your cards. And if you can do it fast Mm -hmm. and efficient, I have no problem with it. I think that's actually fine. Because we always hear about a person who missed a card in a deck box or yeah. it fell on the ground. You know, shit happens. Or, or you swap a card with an opponent because you're using the same sleeves. Oh, yeah. I, that's, yeah. I ended that up with a power get... plant in Picaram early on. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's terrible, Sean. Oh, but, but if it's the same sleeves and you just swap a card, it's then fine. you're still at 60 and pile shuffle wouldn't help you. True, that's true. It's more if you get an extra card, say. But yeah, there's a lot. Of, it's a, it's a huge discussion, and uh, it it upsets a lot of people when you when you hit on this. But I all I want to say, like, you can do it to count your deck, and it's perfectly fine, and you can do it fast. I think it's great. But uh, and I'm not going to sit there and play holy. I've also done it myself. I also pile shuffle earlier myself, uh, but also mostly just to count before the first game. That happens. But uh, in between, I don't think you should do it. Uh, but that's my personal opinion, and. Uh, Nobody should do it uh, if they, you know, that's their choice, obviously. Sure. But if you can do it fast and efficient, it's all good. It's all good. But uh, declumping, uh-uh. Don't, no, 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 no. Let's not, <laughs> let's not go down that road. So kind of switching over mathematically from the competitive side to kind of the collecting side, um, has math really proven that opening boxes has gotten better or worse for players over the years um because like you know sets are huge now (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it's uh in short it's of course become harder to complete master sets that should be obvious because the sets are bigger that makes sense right uh uh, that's not something that you could prove it sure uh but uh in terms of how many boosters you have to open also something i covered in a previous video how many booster packs do you actually have to open and then the truth is it's a lot (laughs) Uh, it can just buy singles, guys, if you really want to complete by singles. Mm-hmm. You, but, of course, we want to open packs because you want to see what's in the packs. You don't want to know if you got a good box or not. But uh, over time, no, it's hard to say because it's really div- from set by set, right? So you have some sets where you know this is really hard to complete and apparently there's a really low pull rate for certain things. Mm-hmm. Like, in recent memory, I think, like, Evolving Skies is really hard to hit everything off. I think that's a... I don't think I'm wrong when I say that. But on the other hand, now when I open new set Astral Radiance, don't know about you guys, but I, I hit a lot of stuff in this set. Like, I think yeah. the pull rates are quite nice here all of a sudden. I think it really differs per set. But in general, yes, of course, it's become a lot harder. Also because sets are, it feels like standard plus 200 cards. It's amazing. It's yeah. insane how big they are. I remember the days where you got a set that was 110, maybe. And you're like, oh, that's a lot. Oh, <laughs> There's over a hundred cards I have to get on. Oh, Jeez. Yeah. Oh God. I need triple to buy digits. <laughs> Damn. And now fast forward a few years, guys, and we're gonna collect four hundred card sets yeah. or something. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's the blessing and the curse, right? Of like, if we were to go back to like Watsi era, and it's like, oh, there's mm-hmm. only like ninety some odd cards, so it's easy to complete the whole set. There's no alternate arts, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, we all love. We were just talking about all the alternate <laughs> arts and trainer gallery and all of that. So, like, mm. the blessing is you get all these cool cards you can collect. The downside is... You can get 17 hits in a box, right. you know, and yeah. they're all different hits. Uh, but the downside is, like, if you want all of them, good luck. <laughs> it's uh, it's tough. It's yeah. tough. Like, I open a color box of Astro Radiance. I, I love opening boxes. No secret there. And I uh, no shame in that. I think it's really cool. I like to also just open a box of my wife. 
and uh, let my kid try and open a pack as well now also to see how that goes. But yeah, you just know, uh, yeah, you have to be insanely lucky to hit like, you know, some of them alternate arts. And uh, you don't 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 try to collect the entire set by purely opening boxes. You're gonna get poor that way. Yeah. Even if you, or even if you're like me and you who collect supporters, you know, like trying to pull, you don't always pull a full art supporter in a box. I mean, it's much easier now with the trainer gallery, um, in Brilliant Stars and Astral Radiance. But like, for the most part, like again, it, like if you want a certain type of card, like just, just don't open boxes. Like just buy singles. <laughs> No, indeed. You should just uh, go and uh, go to Card Market, uh, TCG Player, Troll and Toad, wherever you go and buy your online car, buy your cards online, to, or go trade. It's mm -hmm. a trading card game after all, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, no, you should. Uh, opening boxes is not the way to uh, <laughs> to complete <laughs> to complete it. No. So wrapping it up now. I know Jake, you posted on Twitter all the different full arts of research in particular that one could play with and one could be a complete monster or or in my opinion um uh i can't think of the word but like you know somebody chaotic i don't know yeah chaotic is it chaotic evil to play each version of the full art on the spectrum wait wait, wait that's the nice thing to do right you want to play one of these. yeah yeah okay so See, that's yeah. what i would do because I like all the I like all the versions, but there there are some people that don't that call that heresy. <laughs> there, there's a, there, there's there's some mathematical argument to be made why you should you know that right? Oh my god! Yeah. So, no, uh, no, but and not not in this particular format. But when you could play supporters turn one or play stamp, for instance, like suppose I played four different ends, you could do that at some point. I think uh, either with a stamp on or foil and not foil, just four different copies mm -hmm. of the card. Then if you open with that. Your opponent goes first, they stamp you, you shuffle your hand and you draw a new hand and you draw another end. Mm. And you already know without looking in your deck that you had le least have this many in your deck. Oh, because you, you didn't know draw what's in the your same. prizes. No, that's exactly. smart. You didn't draw the same end. That's a really... Exactly. That's why. That's why. I had never thought that's about why I, that. That's why. that's why when I played, for instance, Donphin at Worlds 2015, I played nine different fighting energies. Oh. oh, see that's a, <laughs> see that's a little bit too much for me. Like my brain can go only so far before it short circuits, and I think four is the max for me. Not that I did. I practice use a lot. Wow, not all the time. I wouldn't say that I can do that. But it's a cool argument to make when people ask why. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I like GLC so much. Um, because like the only reason that I would ever play with my full art supporters is GLC because you know you have. You have one ofs and everything, so having the one art one of full art supporter makes it so easy. Especially when I was playing control before um, some new cards got banned, uh, chip chip and hiker. You know, it was so easy to just look around and be able to tell which supporters I prized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or you could just play Urshifu these days, right? <laughs> just one of everything. Yeah. yeah, one of everything. Yeah, the Robin Scholes 23 or whatever one of. So that was insane when that list was posted. I was like, what is this, expanded? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the statement was more one-offs than Sunder would play, which is, uh, which is <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of, that's a statement. That's a statement. Uh, well, I think wrapping it up here, any <laughs> any shout-outs, uh, Steph, that you want to give now that, uh, now that we've reached the end? I just I want to really say thank you to everybody who has supported me along the way and uh, all my friends and family in Pokemon, my parents, my wife, everybody, my little daughter. Hi out there when you see watch this back in many years. 
Uh, hopefully not. Uh, hopefully, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Metapod hasn't been banned on the internet by that time. Like, I'll consider that an accomplishment. I don't know how he'd get banned, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. I don't know. But uh, no, but uh, and then a lot of people like uh, it's such. A, it's a wonderful community to be part of. And uh, the game is good. Yes, but I play it because the community is awesome. So uh, thanks to all of you guys listening out there. Thanks a lot for being here. Wonderful people. And I hope to meet you in person. Maybe, uh, maybe at Worlds. See you there. I hope. Yeah, you'll you'll see you'll meet his entire family. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us for the 101st episode of the Metapod Podcast. Joining us in the beginning of our second arc, our anime arc, and I hope to see you again next time in the podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. Thank you.